0: lacrosse all-stars presents in your face Lacrosse cast unfiltered opinions on the most controversial topics in the game of lacrosse i'm ryan dennehy former division one college and pro player and division one college coach currently living and coaching in the city of philadelphia i'm joined with my co-host andy towers the legend former division one college head coach mll all-star three-time all-american and arguably the best to ever play the midfield position each show we dive into the world of lacrosse from high school, college to pro, as well as bring on special guests. You can subscribe to us via iTunes and check us out on Twitter at inyourfacelax for more information. Enjoy the show. Masters finished up this weekend. Uh, this is probably the first year that uh, I, I've, I haven't watched the Masters. I thought there was too much good lacrosse on between practices, games myself. I didn't get to watch it. I know you definitely watched it, but what an epic collapse by Spieth.
1: Oh, So brutal. I think the last, <laughs> time, the last time somebody choked like that in a major was probably Vondeveld in the British Open. Over at Carnoustie about 10 years ago. Um, I mean, just brutal. What about I, Roy? I, so,
0: what about Roy McIlroy's brutal meltdown? Was that on the
1: that third was the, round,
0: fourth round? That was the Masters. That was the
1: Masters. That was the fourth round. He ended up hitting an 80 that day and he was up and it was going to be a rincer and he gagged and he stumbled like a whole eight or nine and then wow. it just. It just fell apart. I mean, Jordan Spieth, after his quad, he came back and ended up birdying two more holes. Right. And right. you just thought he was going to get it done somehow. Um, but he unfortunately couldn't get it done. And But he's going to be back. I mean, look, he's he's finished, I think they said, in the top two in the past five majors. Is that right? I mean, that's, Yeah, he's, that's he's been
0: ridiculous. Yeah, he's been ridiculous.
1: That's insane. Um so I, I'm not worried about Jordan Spieth coming back. That's for sure.
0: Well, it was uh, it was interesting to see everyone call mental toughness. I felt like he also had a mental breakdown too in terms of like, get the cameras out of my face. And uh, he was how kind do you of not like, though, dude? I, like, mean, I know, you... I know. It's really tough. It's like, they want to see you like blow up. And then he gave it, he kind of gave it to him when he was like, get the cameras out of my face. And then it was really awkward in the green jacket when he had to hand the guy after he blew it in quadruple bogey. Um, you know, it was kind of weird like that, but, uh, anyway, uh, new polls came out, um, you know, nothing crazy changes, no crazy changes, but, uh, one of the, uh, uh, should I say media personalities, uh, (laughs) did his own top 20.
1: I saw And
0: I know, you know, exactly. Top 20 20 run. Right, right, right. And he says, quote, and I'm going to quote you here, ATA quote, Dylan Malloy. Who, according to Brown, can hang clean 260 pounds, scored eight times. Honestly, when you weigh 220, you should be able to handle more weight than that. Like, what? Like, what what is his deal? Like, I love the way he chirps on the kids, 18 to 22-year-old kids. He chirps on them. But... Yet he won't chirp on coaches. He won't have his own segment about how certain coaches will should get fired and like he won't chirp them because he needs them for interviews. He needs them to talk to. He needs to do post game and pre, you know, half game interviews with those guys. But he's totally fine with chirping eighteen to twenty two year old kids who have no defense back. And I feel like texting Malloy, finding out what his number is, and texting him and be like, you know what? Chirp I kind of, li-
1: I kind of like it, R D. I mean, I like the fact that. Malloy went 6-5 and five the week before. He goes 8-1 and one against Princeton. You know, let Quint chirp him. The reality is they got the biggest game of the year with Yale, and this chirp just might lead to him going 8-6 and six against Yale. And, uh, you know, chirp it up. That's the way I say. Chirp it up all the way to Memorial Day. I think we're, uh, we'll, we'll gladly put a saddle on his 220 pounds. I mean, the way that guy plays, he looks like he's 280 coming yeah, he around does. the corner. He does. I he mean, does. oh, my <laughs> God. It, <laughs> Imagine what these guys feel like, you know, on Monday or Sunday morning after they cover him. They got to feel like, you know, I can imagine what happens after they cover Dylan Malloy and he goes to the cup eight times on him. This is what happens. They wake up, they blink their eyes five times, and they say, oh, my God, oh, my God. And then they get and they crawl out of bed and over to the exercise bike. And they climb up onto the exercise bike and they just start to slow pedal for about 45 (laughs) minutes until they get feeling back in their body. Oh. And then they slide off the exercise bike and slide down the stairs like Bugs Bunny used to do <laughs> to the breakfast table with no bone structure in their body. They're just—it's just hanging on. It's a good thing that that blood and pus is sticky because otherwise <laughs> they'd be all over the floor in liquid fashion. Because that guy is a wrecking ball.
0: Oh, that is rich. <laughs> the uh, Kyle Devitt has a great little uh, Tonka truck uh, picture that he uses. With Molloy's head and the taco yeah. truck, I like that one. Um, but in terms of the picks, at you were the winner on the weekend. If you yeah, feel some normal uh, pisses me off. One, <laughs> one because because I went with Dartmouth and that was so dumb. Uh, so well, we dumb. Knew it. And Princeton, um, Princeton pushed on the over under. Uh, we both had the well. Call. They covered
1: too. They covered.
0: Yeah, yeah, they covered. But we both had them covering. But <laughs> they pushed on the over under. That was a difference we had. But Hop and Loyola, you had the over on both of those, and that's how you ended up winning, because I won straight-up spreads. Great. Um, so that really pisses me off, um, especially the Maryland-Penn State game. For whatever reason, I thought you had Maryland. But
1: you no, 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 no. Uh, I had Penn State win. <laughs> but, God. unfortunately, I also had Penn covering against yes. Brown, and Penn at one point was down 16-2. <laughs> to two. So... Uh, you know uh that i I, I, i'm shocked by that you know the the stats weren't even that different but it just and penn won the faceoffs, and they were down 16-2 right i mean wow i just can't get over it i'm looking forward to this game this weekend that's for sure
0: no doubt a huge game this weekend we'll talk more about that later on this week and our picks and all that kind of stuff coming up. but no doubt the i personally think the game of the weekend was last night 7 p.m on big 10 network maryland versus penn state First off, not only was it a sick game, but we just need more Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Saturday and Sunday night games.
1: I I agree. I
0: I feel like the 7 p.m. is such a perfect time when you're kind of already done with dinner, you're kind of settled in, you're on the couch. I mean, what a great way to end the weekend. Um, You know, certainly for the kids on our teams, like we practice at 4 o'clock. You know, we're still at practice at 4 o'clock. Right. So many of these Tuesday, you know, Friday games at 4 o'clock, whatever. The kids can't see them on TV. Uh, And I know they have prime television, you know, because they are at 4 o'clock on a Tuesday. But move them to 7 o'clock. And and listen,
1: I get it. Then you're going to have to bump Wichita State softball, Ryan. (laughs) And nobody wants that.
0: Oh, my God. So brutal. I actually thought they were going to go. There was, like, the rain delay, right, on the Big Ten Network. And I thought they were actually going to bump the game, the Penn State-Maryland game. I was a little worried about it. Um, But uh, outside of the game itself, I just wanted to hit this point. The refs, I thought the refs in the Maryland-Penn State game were not good. Um, And here's the deal. With the improvements in the rules that have happened over the years, I think lacrosse has generally done a good job of improving the rules. The refs have less and less calls to make. I mean, so all they're really calling are slashes, pushes, and body checks. I mean, if you really think about it. That's really all they're calling. But the reads on the pushes have been awful lately. I mean, how bad was the call towards the end when – I forget who was riding the goalie out from Penn State, literally turns his back, curdles into the fetal position and whips it over his head. And of course he pushes him from behind because he turns his back and then they throw the penalty on him in a one goal game that could absolutely ruin the game. I mean, that's yeah. kind of nuts. I, I don't know. It's, too,
1: it's, I agree. There are some, some subjective calls that you really are not a fan of. I, I, I didn't like some of the timer on calls in the Duke Notre Dame game. Uh, you know, then obviously it seems like, you know, every year there are calls on, you know, somebody diving in the crease. or Was he pushing the crease? Right. Look, just bring back the dive. The dive. Right. You right. know, I mean, uh, that's that's one of the most exciting plays in the sport. And, you know, it, I, I just it disappointed that they take that game out because now you put the refs in a bad call. And that play happens a lot. Right, it does. if you just simply bring it back, I mean, who got hurt? Name one person that got hurt. I don't know anybody that got hurt. I don't know. You know, I just remember Dougie Knight flying across right. the crease and, you know. <laughs> right. Every time. Chewing the, chewing the rubber buttons off of his rugger shirt after he stuck <laughs> eight against Cuse. I mean, that guy was incredible. Uh,
0: um, Dave Cottle brings up a point because I think Mark Dixon on the on the call was like, you know, would, coaches would rather have bad calls consistent or consistently bad calls if you're gonna make bad calls make them consistent (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and Dave Cottle comes out with this morning, um, no, they would not rather have consistently bad calls. Dave says he'd have, he'd rather have the right call
1: right. <laughs> all the time. They don't want and consistency. Just... They want accuracy. <laughs> right. And if you're consistently bad, they hope you're not going to be signed to the game. It's right. so perfect. <laughs> right. It's so it was. perfect. It was, and he's, uh, right. he's he is, right.
0: He is right. I thought it was a good call. But yeah. uh, the game itself, uh, what were your thoughts on the Penn State-Maryland game?
1: You know, it was a game. Of, it was a game of runs. I think with uh, you know a, a closely contest to see, you know, Penn State going a six goal run surprised me a little bit just in that somebody could tee off on Maryland's defense to that degree, and then obviously Maryland comes back answers that with their own three goal run, and it's basically a, you know a one or two goal game the rest of the way. Uh, you know what really shocked me? I thought Penn State would compete at the face-off X, and statistically, I, I guess they didn't get rinsed to the tune of 80%, so I guess they did compete to some degree. But the shocking part was that when Henningson went out, for them to bring in Bonaparte, or Bonaparte or whatever you say, however you say his name, for him to go 11 and seven, 11 for 17 down the stretch, that was the key to the game. I mean, that and the obvious one, which was Bernlor, 17 saves, saving it at 58% versus Shriner, just 8 saves and 42%. But those two things together were enough to help Maryland beat Penn State in a game that they wouldn't have won if those stats were a little more even. You know, great to see Darian native Henry West stick three Gs as sort of his first big offensive game of the year after, you know, a couple of big years. The transfer from Cornell, uh, I, was, I was happy to see that. Uh, you know, obviously the face-off, the faceoff piece led to Maryland getting 10 more ground balls in an overtime game. No, that's really the difference, you know. So I I I I thought it was a great game certainly it, it more than lived up and to its billing. So, what do you think? Yeah,
0: no, I thought the same thing. It was great to see uh Sutton have a really huge breakout game.
1: Um, yeah, kind of was... overdue, you know. I thought when right. he went to Penn State after watching him play, I'm thinking, "Wow, this guy is this guy can just take over a game and 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 you know, it was good to see him it's good to see him have that kind of success, you know, and I think we're going to see more from him in the playoffs, depending on how this thing plays out for Penn State. I liked
0: how Penn State went to the zone. Um, you know, I think that it kind of put Maryland in a situation where they had to, you know, really think a right. lot more. No, we're, the slower, than we're right. slower than you are. We're slower than you are.
1: We're the slowest. Right. No, we're the slowest.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is too funny, yes. Uh, but I did like that. and uh, You know, we were just talking about the uh, the refs and how they make – listen with the whole you know, stall warning, whatever you want to call it, clock on, timer on uh, calls, I think that'll all go out the window. I'm actually rooting for them to continuously blow the timer on calls so the rule actually will come into place. They'll figure out a shot clock. Because right. if, if it's consistent and they do a good job implementing the timer on, then... You know, they'll never want to put a shot clock in. There, there,
1: there's, 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 there has to be a shot clock, there really in fact. Does. And when and when we're three or four years into having a shot clock, we're going to look back at this <laughs> period and think that was so painful. Right. Kind of like that period in, like, 1992, 93, 94, which just happened to be my, you know, later years at Brown. We had to wear those bubble helmets after wearing Baca <laughs> rocks for 20 years. which were awesome. Right. We had to put these things on. And, and we were to look back and say, I can't believe that they actually fielded teams during a time. <laughs> when there was no shot clock because right. look at how much it cleaned this up right much like you know the face-off rules have virtually eliminated Correct. jumps i mean you almost never hear of a team going into the penalty but it's been a couple of times you sure. know a couple of times but but it's it's just drastically changed the game and i think a shot clock is going to do the exact same thing no uh, cheating either you know.
0: on the face-offs on, on top of the jumping now that they have everything's them, cleaned up it's, it really has they've they everyone's straight up and down That's everyone's it. equally distant from the ball the ref it. places it in, blows the whistle. I think it's great. Uh, the one thing I would say is that they have two guys approach the beginning of the faceoff. One guy goes off, and the other guy uh, administrates putting the ball down. I yep. don't think he should be the ref that blows the whistle because what they're doing now is they're kind of counting, like, if it's the same guy every time or a similar guy every time, and you're taking 20, you know, five to 30 faceoffs a game. There is a rhythm there in terms of him putting it down, walking away, and blowing the whistle. But I think this should be the guy administrating it, he backs out, and the, an opposite guy blows the whistle. And it That's really kind of, that, that would be my only change. And I don't really care because in the end, they really have cleaned it up. But, uh, you know, I thought the game last night, again, the most important thing that I thought of the last, game, uh, last night's game was, we just need more 7 o'clock Sunday night games. I mean, yeah, that was just no,
1: awesome. I- I, I agree. I agree. The other the other thing that's kind of evaporated which is great is the fact that since the face have been cleared up with the new uh pre whistle structure All of a sudden, people aren't whining about. Well, they're using Moto Grip, and that's. (laughs) Shut up! Shut up! Right? It doesn't have anything to do with it. Right? It doesn't have anything to do with it.
0: True. Um, I'm glad the MLL is changing to it too. Right? I mean, totally. And I love. It should be. I love the the MLL face-off guys. They're like everyone wants to pitch, and they're not even in the MLL. And the face-off guys are like, dude, who cares? I'm still
1: because I'm I'm still gonna win. (laughs) <laughs> totally. I mean, Gremlin had a great response with right, that, right. Uh, which I loved too. And it's just great to see. And if there's a reason why these guys are the best because that's their demeanor. Right. And they know, the best guys know that, you know, if there is a completely fair pre-whistle setup, they're going to win. Right. Because it comes down 100% to technique as opposed to who can cheat the best pre-whistle. Yep. Yep. And agree. so I think that they're going to be, uh, I think they're all happy. happy about it. So that's great to hear.
0: Denver, Villanova, uh, with the weather way it was, I'm not going to read into this game as much as I'd like to. It's good to see Villanova bounce back after a tough week to play Denver close, but I don't think the result will be the same in the Big East tournament if they happen to play each other again. Uh, Villanova had a five-goal fourth-quarter run, but it just wasn't good enough. Cannizzaro was six goals to lead the way for Denver. Reddy was 59% in the cage, 16 yep. saves, and Baptiste, of course, was Baptiste. He was 16-27 from the X. Uh, Denver was 12-16 in the clear, and I would probably go ahead and say, well, there's Denver again kind of slipping back, but when you have uh, snowflakes that are size of the golf balls coming down, I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt of the weather, um, but uh, what were your thoughts on this one?
1: Well, uh, thanks for banging on all the stats, Ryan. Uh, (laughs) It puts me in a great position. Maybe I'll start talking about myself. Uh, You know, or my son should be a starter when he's not. Uh, (laughs) You know, know, certainly. Look, Villanova did what. Sorry, Denver did what they had to do. You know, wild conditions. They're going to even out the game to some degree. Villanova played them really well. We both fought a few weeks ago. That Villanova would be, you know, would, would give Denver problems. However, uh, I agree with you. I don't think there's, there's the, you know, I, I don't. I think that Denver just had to get by this game right. in Philadelphia. They did that. They give him over the third loss in a row. You know, sort of the studs for each team stepped up. Kanzaroff for Denver, for Carroll for for Villanova. You know, Baptiste was his dominant self, 16 for 27 against Pomodesto, who's you know run into some some problems lately. Uh, and then obviously you addressed the goalie situation. It's gonna be interesting to see what happens DU's going to is gonna coast here down the stretch with st John's and then going to PC and then Marquette at home. I wonder what PC thinks when they see Denver <laughs> off the bus. All the people you oh, know uh, That's it's gonna be interesting although the PC's done a good job But I don't see them being uh, a problem for Denver in that situation and then Villanova you know, has the same sort of games. They got Georgetown, who is who's not had a good year um, and doesn't have much to play for other than Pride. And then Villanova goes to St. John's and then PC at home. So I see each of these teams winning their last three games uh, preceding the Big East tournament.
0: You know, it's interesting in the bracketology, they have three Big East teams making the national tournament as of now. Obviously, that it's a little too early with all the tournament play that yet to be happened. Um, but Denver, Villanova, and Marquette, the three teams, and they only have two Ivy League teams uh, going in, and then who knows what's going to happen in the ACC, uh, but it's interesting to see that these two teams are already picked to go into the national tournament when I don't necessarily know. Does Georgetown make, you know, does Georgetown pull, you know, a late game win uh, or a late season win against one of these teams to kind of really put a damper on the Big East, and it's you know.
1: I mean, they could. They got the players to do it. They do. And they, do. they could go beat Villanova right? with the way Villanova's sort of, you know, falling apart down the stretch here. But I'm very convinced that Mike Corrado and his staff is going to have them ready to go and that they're not going to allow that to happen. Plus, they play them in Philly.
0: Right, right. Army, BU, this was not exactly how I thought this game was going to go, although I did uh, think that Army was going to win the game. Uh, BU ends up putting themselves in a very similar situation that they had last year. They're three and three in the Patriot League. They have Loyola and Holy Cross to finish up and need to win out. They lost to both Lehigh and Buck now, um, you know, in head-to-head wins. So they'll get the nod for the fifth and sixth uh spot in the Patriot League tournament. Uh, but Army's a force this year. You have to be pumped for next week's game against Navy. Both squads have been getting better each year. Uh, this has got to be a big time week for the Patriot League, but not as crazy as it used to be or in the last couple of years with his. As many scenarios, but certainly BU's got their um, their uh, destiny uh, in their own hands. If they want to win it, they got to win it out. If they want to get to the Patriot League uh, tournament, they have to win out. But what were your thoughts on this one?
1: You know, I wasn't that surprised. I just feel that Army, like you said, I think Army is for real. We're going to find out a little more about Army with their last three games, considering they got Navy at home this weekend. Uh, which is going to be a huge game. Navy obviously having a tremendous season. And then they got to go to Loyola and to Notre Dame. So, Army is, we're going to find out what their deal is, but they have really put together a, a great season. And you got to commend Joe Aberici. He's obviously gotten his team to focus on their performance on the field as, as well as he performed at the three-point line in recoup, as we've <laughs> talked about in the past. The face-offs were close. You know, normally, BU has has orchestrated their wins on the backs of Sam Talco, their outstanding sophomore face-off guy, and Carson Bannister, their goalie. You know, However, just seven saves for Carson Bannister and 36% save percentage is not going to get it done. No. The face-offs, BU won, but it was close. Uh, and it been Army had fifteen saves versus uh, versus just seven for, and, and that's the difference, part of the difference I should say. Five goals for Nate Jones, he stepped up thirteen people in the scoring column right. for Army. You know, they just are they're a very hard team to get ready for. And it's hard to simulate the pace at which they compete with, you know, on a play to play basis. And that's always been the case with the military academies and Army is showcasing that strength certainly this year. Um You know, I just, I'm not, I'm not surprised by this. I think that uh, Army and Navy are, well, and you got to say Loyola as well, but I I, I think that those are the three teams right now that make the Patriot League, you know, one of the scariest, I was talking to my buddies this weekend and we were all, my friend had gone to Colgate and, and, you know, I was down in New Orleans with him and Hanford and I were doing a thing down there and, and we were in the car just, just talking about how the Patriot League doesn't get enough credit you know, everybody talks about certainly ACC, justifiably so, and then you talk about the Ivy League and, and and the Big Ten. But I just I just think year in year out, the Patriot League, for the teams in that league, I mean that that may be like the toughest league to win. Just because you have so many so many teams, teams. so, many, so teams. many good teams that can beat each other, that all seem like they're sort of one goal better than the other team, and and you just never know who's going to come out of it. If I had to guess, I would guess it's it's probably going to be Navy coming out of it this year. That would be my guess, but I could easily be wrong. Right. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised to see the Patriots send, you know, potentially three teams to the tournament. That would be great to see. I, I just I just think it's a scary league to be in.
0: Well, I mean, I guess if you're going to look at the history of the Patriot League. You got to take Loyola out of it, right? yep. so there's one very good team uh, that was added to the Patriot League. But then you also have to look at, you know, the rise of, you know, Navy back in say what what was it? Oh four, I believe they went to the national championship game against Q's there. Uh, but really, you'd have to look back to Lehigh's success, and I think that that's when, uh, when Lehigh stepped up and and Cassis has taken that program over, done great things. I yes. think. I think that's when the Patriot League started and that was only what four or five years ago
1: think about that well, yeah I mean right, right along the same time Peter Baum gets national player of the year within that eight. time within I mean, that time that's the same time frame yep. right on the heels of Brandon Corp being a first Correct. team all-american Correct. uh you know and then you've had the success of Bucknell you know that's a team that never gets enough credit Frank Federaca right. is one of the best coaches you know, in, in division one lacrosse, he always has his team ready to play. And, you know, a lot of the kids that are on Bucknell's teams are a lot of a lot of players that wanted to go to Ivy League schools and for whatever reason, you know, they maybe just didn't get that offer, only to go to Bucknell and oftentimes have, you know, a better season than the schools that they you know wanted to go to so badly. So Bucknell is another team and then obviously BU starting a program. Ryan Poley's just done an incredible job right. putting them on the map, making them a terrifying game for teams to play. I mean, D- D- BU has to go, or D- BU gets Duke at home last game of the year. And that, that is, what a nightmare for Duke, you know, who who kind of needs to win out here and make the ACC tournament. If they can, they got to, they got I think they're a candidate for the rock-bottom ball. Yeah. League, I didn't want to say that. I, w- I, I didn't want to ruin it. I didn't want to right ruin there. it. Who would have thought that we're going to have two ACC teams yeah, in, in the, the RBB oh, man, coming up? Um, but, but you know, look, you're, you're right. Kevin Cassis has obviously done a great job of, uh, you know, making Lehigh a, a team that everybody's nervous to play. And then you've got BU. You've got Bucknell. Colgate, while down this year, has been up seven of the last eight years. Yep. So. Yep. Um, you know, and then obviously, you know, Navy, Loyola and Army. So yeah. um, it's all coming together for
0: the Patriot League. I feel like there's always been like one or one and a half teams every year in the Patriot League that have been scary. Um, but then the way it's working out in the last three to four years or even five years where all of them have and it's all part of the parody, too. You can can look at the Patriot League as a big reason for the parity in NCAA Division I lacrosse. uh... Well, like
1: you said, like you said, you know, all kind of started with Kevin Cassie sort of going into Lehigh and sort of turning them around, turning them around. You know, during that time, you had Lehigh, Bucknell and Colgate as the top three teams in the Patriot League, and now those teams are 4th, 6th, and 7th right. as right. of today. Right. So it it, it just validates our point.
0: It does. Out. It does. Hopkins, OSU in the Big Ten matchup this past weekend. Petro comes back after missing four games. They get the Big Ten win, their first one of the year. They lost to Rutgers. Uh, Hopkins shooting really efficient, 13 goals on 31 shots.
1: Efficiently, um, Ryan. Efficiently, it's modifying how they shot. Damn it.
0: Uh <laughs> <laughs> Turnboss ball <laughs> saved enough to keep the score in the Blue Jays' favor. Lots of scores on both sides. Um, yeah. You know, my thoughts. You know, Tom Carey has it, been fairly inconsistent this year. Sometimes he's really good. Other he's times, great he,
1: against Penn State re- last week, right?
0: And then sometimes he's not. Um, you know, but if you look at the stats, I feel like OSU. If you just looked at the stats and not the score, I feel like you, you'd think OSU would win the win the game. Uh, they only turned the ball over eight times. They went 18 for 28 at the face-off X. Uh, they cleared the ball almost perfect. Uh, they could be a different... Perfectly again. Uh, <laughs> and 30%, 30% shooting isn't terrible, but obviously the 42% that Hopkins did, um, you know, changed the course of the game. What were your thoughts here?
1: Yeah, no, that I think you pinpointed it. That's exactly the difference. You know, the difference was Tom Carey had only eight saves, saving at 38%, and Brock Turnbaugh, 13 saves, and 52%, you know, in a, in a one-goal game, you know, that's that's kind of the difference. I, I thought the stats were, you know, pretty even that way. Great to see Petro back in action. Uh, you know, what a competitor he is. And certainly, you know, I, I think that, and we were talking about this on Friday or Thursday when we did the last week's podcast, I think that, that Johns Hopkins losing to Rutgers was uh, very valuable in getting his players to, or getting that team – you know, to refocus enough when they had to get this win. And, you know, fortunately for Hopkins, they did. And I, I feel like they always do that. I feel like whenever you count them out and they've got to win four in a row to make the playoff, they went four in a row and they beat Maryland. You know, right. and it's just, it just, they're always, they're, again, if, if, if we evaluate coaches on their ability to get their teams better over the course of the season, I think that the Hopkins coaching staff does a tremendous job of doing that while managing, obviously, you know a lot of uh, very high profile prospects down there on their roster. I agree good thing you. it was at Homewood, you know, for Ohio State. Look, they lost six in a row, four of those six have been one goal losses. Brutal. They're not in a good spot, you know, and they got Michigan, who I think that they're going to pound. They go to Maryland, and last year. I want to say that they had Maryland dead in the water only to have Maryland come back and beat them down the stretch of that game, um, which was a devastating loss. So, um, you know, that's going to be a dangerous game for Maryland playing Ohio State because Ohio State is, is, again, they've they've, they've lost four one-goal games, but yet they could beat anyone. And then they play Rutgers at home. And Rutgers, I believe, pounded them last game of the year last year. So I just – I think it's been a tough year. I know it's been a tough year for Ohio state <clears throat> outside of them beating Michigan down the stretch. I just, uh, I, I think their season's going to end in three weeks.
0: Yeah. I, um, you know, obviously, uh, you know, for, for Hopkins, let's go to Hopkins side. This was a huge game, as you already stated. I mean, this was big, but they have Penn state, Michigan and Maryland to finish up. Um, You know, Rutgers is not going to go easy Uh, to the other, to their teams on their schedule. Uh, OSU could, win out in theory i mean they really could uh but the big 10 is kind of a scary conference right now and if they do exchange games then it just only hurts the league increases maryland's profile and they're only going to get their aq and that's it they might not get an at, at large bid um penn state's in the fight but you know losing to maryland you know certainly in the league and also losing the game that they could you know the top, another top 10 win for them uh it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out, and I wouldn't really sleep on Michigan as much as they're not having a great year um This is their Super Bowl uh Ohio State going to Columbus is their Super Bowl, and given that you know an eight to seven win again uh loss to Maryland a couple of weeks ago um you know didn't show very well with their thirteen and six or thirteen and seven loss last week to Rutgers. However, it was way um you gotta figure this one's a little closer three hours or three hours south for them so uh, it should should be really interesting to see how the Big Ten plays itself out. Another Patriot League contest, Navy versus Colgate. Colgate, 1-5 and in, in the Patriot League this year. As you've already said, you know this is not a good year for them. It's almost one of those seasons where they're looking to get out of this season as fast as possible and move on to the next one. Um, yeah. Everything was going to Navy's uh, way this one. You can really see that Navy is playing with the swagger that top-10 team should um playing a, a team like colgate they should beat them the way they did and that's exactly the way they did face-offs ground balls shots your top guys leading the way offensively and your defense putting up a great effort together to hold off colgate under double digits uh what were your thoughts in this one
1: you know this game kind of went how i thought it would go i thought colgate would have a tough time scoring against navy uh you know at one point colgate was down 12 to 3 which doesn't surprise me you know to see Uh, You know, Navy dominate the faceoff x. They won 18 out of 26, which we thought would happen, which spearheaded obviously a 39 to 23 ground ball advantage, which is critical. Very, very hard to out ground ball Navy and Army in those teams. They just run, 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 run. Uh, And and certainly that's going to be a a problem for teams that play Navy because they've got an awesome faceoff guy. They've got a really really great long stick a great close defenseman a great overall defense and they play pretty patiently on offense so you can fall behind Navy and and you can shut the shades and just go to sleep right. because they're not gonna they're not gonna let you back in it um, particularly when you know they seem to be a team that over the course of the game gets stronger as the game goes on while other teams become more and more weighed down huge day for Jack Ray two and four. You know, Colgate on the other side, as you mentioned, they're they're in a tough spot. Three and eight, you know, they've lost six in a row. One and five in the Patriot League. You know, just uh they, they seem to be lacking, you know, one dynamic offensive player, as we mentioned, you know, in previous podcasts that that they've been able to rely on right. in the last between Walsh and Baum and Corp. Um, you know, they've they've always had a guy that somehow can allow them to get to ten goals, eleven goals. And they just don't seem to have that guy. Now, I do think that they're going to win two down the stretch with Holy Cross coming to town, and then they go to Lafayette, and then they got to go to Syracuse. And in years past, they've been able to beat Syracuse sometimes in that game, but it's not going to happen this year. No, I think- but I do believe that they uh, will beat Lafayette, and I think the Holy Cross game is going to be scarier than than they think, or more than scarier than other people think. Holy Cross can score goals. We said before, you know, on last broadcast, they're... They've got a dangerous offense, and they lost a bunch of one-goal games. So I don't think that's a lock. No, I, I don't do think Colgate will win the game. Yep. I do think they will, but I don't think it's a lock. And then obviously Navy has a very, very tough home stretch going to Army this weekend, which should be an awesome game. And then they go to Maryland, and that makeup which game. was yeah. a makeup, makeup game, exactly right. And um, you know that's going to be a dogfight. Two really, really good defensive teams. That is a rivalry game, yeah. Navy-Maryland, and then Sacred Heart obviously should be a roll job for Navy. So, no doubt. Um, Navy's playing great at, at the right time.
0: Uh, that game against Maryland could be big if Navy doesn't get the AQ in the Patriot League or slips up somehow in the Patriot League tournament in the first right. round. If they can get a big win over Maryland, that should secure them into the national tournament. Um,
1: well, Navy's, Navy's wins, I mean, they, they have a win over Air Force, which Air Force is going to win out. Yep. And if they stay at ten, that's going to end up being a high-quality win, as it should be. I think Air Force has proved itself as one of the one of the better teams in the country. They're they're certainly worthy of their you know ranking. Uh, they have a one-goal loss to Hopkins. They have a one-goal loss to BU. That one's going to be a stinger, yep. depending upon what happens here down the stretch. Yep. But their wins are Air Force and Loyola, and. You know that's that's really that's it. why that's you know, why I think New it's East.
0: it's this one that Maryland game. They becomes, need to
1: beat Ar- they need to beat Army yes. this weekend, uh, but they mm-hmm. need to beat one of Army or Maryland. But I wouldn't be surprised to see Navy win the Patriot League championship as well. I think, it, as we said just a second ago, between Army, Navy, and and Loyola, and Loyola is a scary team as well. So we'll see yep, what happens.
0: Absolutely, no, Notre Dame, Duke, in the last coverage uh, that we're going to yeah. cover today, uh, last game that we're going to cover today. Uh, Duke 23 turnovers more than half of them coming in the second half 12 uh, 21 for 27 in the clear 77%. It was just a really sloppy game for Duke. you know every time Oof. I look up on the TV they're turning the ball over again. Um, I agree And you know when you play a team like Duke and you're only gonna you know you might be 61 percent in the faceoff department. But the problem is, you're only taking 18 faceoffs in the game. So, in terms of taking 25 right. to 30 faceoffs, where it's almost a 10 possession difference in some cases, 18 faceoffs isn't going to make a huge difference in that possession game. So, for them to only score two goals in the second half, they just didn't look sharp. Uh, what were your thoughts on this one?
1: Yeah, I watched the whole game um, on the plane with Hanford coming back from Louisiana. And I just. I, I think that Duke depends on Miles Jones Way too balls much in a stick too, Way much. too much. You know, it just seems like he's just running around with the ball on a stick all the time. And while he is, you know, a dynamic talent with his ability to feed and and score off the dodge to either side, uh, you know, it just it 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 the ball's in a stick too much, you know. I, I was I have to say though, I thought that Duke scored some incredible goals. You know, one in particular where I believe it was Miles Jones dodged across the top to his right, threw it inside, who, who to, to the crease guy who turned it, threw it down to Gutterding on the left side and threw right. it across to Matthias to dunk it on the on the right on the right doorstep. They scored some incredible goals. But if that's how you have to score against Notre Dame, I don't think that you can give Notre Dame's defense a greater compliment than <laughs> right. that four pass combination. I mean that was that was just incredible. Uh, but duke didn't they didn't shoot well, and while, while both goalies played really, really well, I felt like Shane Doss still outplayed Danny Fowler in the shots that he saved over the course of the game. I think that while Danny Fowler played a great game with twelve saves and sixty percent save percentage, I do think that Notre Dame took a few more shots into. Uh, his stick than Duke was doing to Shane Doss. Duke was just missing the goal. Right. I mean, I remember a couple of sequences inside where they just, they had it and they just missed the goal. They got too greedy. Right. And, you know, that that came back to haunt them. Things that also stuck out, you know, Notre Dame didn't have one assist. That's kind of odd. Um, you know, it just it just surprised me. Kavanaugh shut out. Right. You know, no points. I don't know if that's happened to him in his college career. I, I don't think it has. Um you know, but but I think that I think the Duke is going to be they need they need to they're in serious trouble. They to make an adjustment. They're in serious be, trouble. They're that? in serious trouble. They're in serious trouble. And you know, they're gonna play Virginia and I think they beat Virginia. Um, you know, but but they need to win the rest of their games. You know, Duke has Virginia at home. Marquette. Uh, Marquette and B U. I mean they, they could win them all and they could lose them all. Yeah, right. <laughs> they really right. could. And then you've got Notre Dame that plays Marquette. That's gonna be uh, the over-under is going to be at five goals in that game. And then uh, Notre Dame goes to Carolina. I'm just going to go on record to say that I think the Heels beat them that day. Nice. And then Ear- early Army, pick? Which is that was an early team. pick? Early pick. Yep. I like the Heels. I like where they're going. Uh, I think that you know, they're starting to become a scary team. It was really fun to watch them play on Sunday. Um, but but this game, you know, we both picked Duke. I thought John Donowski wins this game, and, and we were on track to have that happen up 4 2 and just seemingly, seeming to be able to generate higher quality opportunities consistently more so than Notre Dame was doing. But then Notre Dame gets. You know, a couple of unassisted goals, one from Ryder Garnsey or two from Ryder Garnsey. The second one though, I, I believe tied it up and then Perkovic had, you know, two goals down the stretch and, and that was it. Right. So it was it was it was impressive. Yeah, and I just feel like this dude team
0: um you know just looks tired. And the second half I just watching them throw the ball away in the clear was was really kind of crazy. I mean, just easy, easy, you know, routine plays.
1: Um Stick works. I mean, they were 21 for 27 on the clear, and that also helps to offset the 11 to 7 advantage that they gained at the X with Kyle Rowe. Did a great job, but I'm with you. I mean, you've got a team that doesn't seem like they really uh, they couldn't catch and throw. I mean, it, right.
0: God, ACC team. that's
1: just but they got that's they got UVA
0: next week, shocking, and then they got Marquette. And Marquette's you could argue has got a similar defense as Notre Dame. Uh, so they got to see another defense like they're going to see against Notre Dame in the next two games. I do think they'll beat UVA as well. That's Wednesday.
1: Dude, Notre Dame Marquette is uh, Wednesday. No, no, no. This I'm week. saying
0: I'm saying Duke. I'm saying Duke. So Duke has yeah. after yeah, yeah, UVA yeah. they have Marquette. Two weeks, uh, right, right? right? Exactly. Yeah. But even with the BU game that happens after the ACC tournament, so that game is. I mean, you got two teams. If both teams don't pass through their tournaments, if BU certainly doesn't make their tournament, you got forty kids that somehow you got to keep their attention for two weeks
1: and it won't be a problem for it won't be a problem for BU to get up for that game that's the scary part Yeah, because it's
0: at home imagine imagine two weeks on a layover because you're not you're not playing in the Patriot League tournament you have nothing to play for anymore and then have to go to Durham to play that's what happened last year and I think they got beat by 15 goals Uh, but coming back it, it actually would be a nice deal for uh for them to play in Boston but it's not an easy stretch for Duke it's not. And that UVA game, look, let's face it, UVA is fighting for their life too. Uh, and if they don't get it together, they're not going to the ACC tournament. As it is, they're their last guy looking out. That's for sure. Uh, no question. When we come back, hashtag Ask Towers, and we're going to wrap up the show. Last part of the show, probably my favorite part of the show. Hashtag Ask Towers. Uh, we have uh, two, two, uh, two, two questions for you. Uh, first one's from Oliver Marty. How and why did you help me get kicked out of a game while at Brown in college?
1: <laughs> well, uh, that is uh, that's that's funny, Ollie. <laughs> uh, well, that was easy. It was uh, it was driven by my. By my desire to uh, retain my goal record at the time, uh, the funny thing is that, you know, it took me four years, four years, to acquire my goal career goal record at Brown. And a f- small footnote in very very small <laughs> print is that it took Ali only three years to finish five goals behind me. <laughs> 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 Don't know that I just throw words out like career, career, and hope that they don't look too much into it and see that I played four years during my seven years there, and Ollie played you know three years during his one and a half years there as a 4.0 student. Um, you know, but the, 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 the details behind the scenario is we were playing at Dartmouth, and it was our second to last game of the year. And I think I had a, you know, a two or three goal lead on Ollie over the course of our careers. We were both seniors and Ollie got off to a hot start. And I think he had five goals in the first quarter. So I went into the game up by two or three. And before I knew it, I was down two or three. And so Ollie, in typical fashion, scores his sixth goal of the first half, I believe. And... Started to celebrate and celebrate really wildly, <laughs> and thankfully, um, you know, he was close enough to the Dartmouth hockey player that after the Dartmouth hockey season was over, would come up and pick up a long pole for them and would play defense. And so I conveniently pushed Oliver into this guy as he, <laughs> as Oliver was celebrating his goal, and Oliver, in true knucklehead fashion bumped into him, got pushed into him while Oliver was celebrating his sixth goal. Meanwhile, we were up 14 to 2 or whatever. And then Oliver started to start a fight with this guy (laughs) that he bumped into. And the guy as a hockey player twisted Oliver up in a Canadian pretzel on the floor. (laughs) And both Oliver and the Canadian guy got kicked out of the game for fighting. And we played Cornell the next game, and I had six goals, and I ended up getting the (laughs) win. Which he, he was suspended for that game, right? He got kicked out. He was suspended yes, for that game. Yes, so yes, get... yes, yes, So, uh, uh, that is rich. you know. That
0: is... Hashtag Ask Towers. Steven uh, um, <laughs> he wanted to know, is it true that in college you dialed in your cat-like face-off timing by playing Stanley Cup tabletop rod hockey and having someone in the house yell, go, for puck drops? <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh yeah that is absolutely true you know ironically uh it was steve himself and and what he did when he was a senior and i was a junior we all lived off campus at meeting street and we had about 10 roommates and most of them were on the cross table and we had this one kid that did crew and you know the crew practices were at like three yeah, in the morning right, to four right. thirty in the morning <laughs> right, right? right and so he was and and I never went to class. Steve never went to class. So Steve went out and bought an old school, uh, you know, the Czechs hockey, USA Czechs hockey. Okay. So before they came out with that one in the early 70s, they had a tabletop one like that with, you know, instead of the, you know, the foosball type handles, they had pencil type handles. They were (laughs) teeny, And so Grisolfi and I used to play this game incessantly. And we really reached a level of play that if our parents had seen it, a live game between us, they would have known instantaneously that, you know, the $35,000 that it cost to go to school that year uh, was money that was thrown right out the window because obviously our time was spent honing our craft. And our craft was me versus Steve in this table hockey game. And, you know, the winner would gloat and the loser would contemplate sliding a needle into somebody's Snickers bar because the, <laughs> the rage in your body when you would lose to a gloater. Oh,
0: the worst.
1: You know, was was hard to was hard to uh, to manage. So we had this one kid, Chules, was, was the crew kid. And it was all right, give us a go. Because it was the only way we could really start fair a game. fair a fair face off. You know, in fact, you know the game. It's the game that they had at the uh, remember at the Dartmouth End of the year. Oh yeah, 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 um, uh, the, t- the bubble hockey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that was the game. <laughs> and so, um, you know, it was it was say, go and then when tools was be- it would be a class periodically. Then it was all right. Give us a go. Dog give us a go. Sauce go from wherever they were. And it uh, it was uh, a it was a nice time in our lives, Ryan. A nice time in our lives. But uh, well, I think I actually have the belt. And you know what? I'm going to declare that I have the belt, Steve. Because you're not on the podcast to declare otherwise. <laughs> and you're so not coming in I'm on as a guest. I'm gonna take that <laughs> feeling of euphoria and I'm gonna bring that right to my GFA practice and start big timing kids that have no idea. What that game even is, let alone that I'm big timing them about it.
0: So we'll see. <laughs> that's it for the show today. As always, you sub- you can subscribe to us on iTunes. Check us out on Twitter at In Your Face We'll be back later on this week for our picks of the show. But in the meantime, enjoy your Tuesday lacrosse. Uh, enjoy your enjoy your weekday lacrosse. Uh, we will be back. Thank you so much for your uh, for your listen.